he had a girlfriend in another town. It was a secret that he had kept from his wife. When his colleague tried to call him on it, he said, hey, don't judge me. Her teenage daughter was headed to an evening's outing, but, but mom didn't trust the crowd at the venue. Expressing concern, mom was immediately warned, hey, don't judge. They used to attend church faithfully, but week after week, one excuse joined another, and they just sort of stopped going. When a friend suggested it may be better to make church a priority, the response was a sharp, don't judge us. Today we come to a doozy. Craig's back. Uh, today we come to a doozy. You go ahead and, why don't you go ahead and say a doozy? This is one of the most overused and misused sayings of Jesus. Its clumsy and self-serving use has muzzled the prophetic voice of the church. And licensed the licentiousness of those who reject any boundary for behavior. Further, by yielding to this hijacked hermeneutic, believers have forfeited their role as a voice of reason and righteousness and have ended up apologizing to the darkness for being light. Here it is. Here is the passage beginning in chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is written to call the reader to become a follower of Jesus and then to tell us how. Matthew chapter 7, the first six verses. Are you ready? Here's Jesus. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, well, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Do you know that Jesus spoke with affected words? He didn't sound like a dictionary. He didn't sound like Siri, you know, reading the Bible. Let me take this back out of your eye. Who reads the Bible boring? <laughs> Verse 5, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. <laughs> Good morning. Happy Sunday to you. From these words, we have been told and, and told ourselves, 
never to object, never to say anything about sin, never to say anything about wrongdoing or to object to anyone's behavior, because to do so, we are told, is to be judgmental. Don't judge. Uh, now, ironically, the very voices in the world that forbid biblically-based objecti- ob- objections to ideas or behaviors, are those voices are the most intensely judgmental. <laughs> to disagree with the, the world view, anyone's worldview regarding human sexuality or economics or what they might call health care is to receive their strongest condemnation, their mockery, their insult, and sometimes threat of retaliation. So what do we do? What, how should the 21st century or the, 20, the 21st century follower of Jesus, or for that matter, any century follower of Jesus, how do we respond to these words from our Lord in order to be a follower of Jesus? How do disciples respond to this? How do we, how can we Obey and imitate Jesus. That's the goal. Obey and imitate Jesus. I was, I am, I am, I, I would say just that I didn't get to testify. I didn't get to share my gone story. Um, I am used to a little bit more of a robust response, however, the last 10 days. So how do, the goal is that we would obey and imitate Jesus. All right, now you don't have to stand up and shout, but that's at least a good start. If we're going to respond to this, there's some things we have to keep in mind. We must keep in mind what we have already read in the book. Number one, Jesus came to save his people from their sin. He came because sin is real and we need a savior. He didn't come to to coddle us in our sin or to tell us that sin isn't real or to never mind about sin or that sin is okay or that, hey, you guys, stop making such a big deal about sin. He came to save us from sin. Sin is horrible, vile, destructive. It will destroy you now and for forever, and you need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Jesus' message, when we are introduced to him, Jesus' message begins with the word, repent. The first step in following Jesus is always repentance. If you haven't repented, you're not following him. You're going the other way. The first step in following Jesus is repentance. Also, we have read that Jesus not only commends, but commands righteousness. In, in, in chapter 5 and verse 6, he tells us, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In chapter 5, 13 and 14, he commands, he, uh, via, via description of our identity, that we are salt and that we are light. He commands us to be different in this world, to be separate, to be unique, to, 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 to buy our good works, buy our righteous behavior, that our righteous behavior should become a light to the world around us. And then finally, in verse 48 of chapter 5, he simply tells us that our righteousness has to be superior, has to excel even the religious leaders of the day. The fo- a follower of Jesus, Jesus commends righteousness, and he commands it from our life. 
So that basically this, friends, disciples of Jesus then therefore must have a, a particular aversion towards sin. <laughs> disciples of Jesus practice and promote righteousness. But we observe from this passage that disciples of Jesus do not weaponize righteousness. Pick it up again at verse 1. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Judge. What does that mean, do not judge? Well, again, let's start with what it can't mean. Let's eliminate what it cannot mean. That cannot mean that Jesus is saying, uh, do not correct. I'll go slow so it gets in there. <laughs> that does not mean do not correct. It doesn't mean do not teach. It does not mean do not rebuke. Because the Bible is full of commands that we teach, correct, rebuke, admonish, and warn over and over and over again. If it meant don't teach, don't correct, don't rebuke, don't modify, don't confront anyone with, their, with sin or wrong, then we are going to have to get out a large pair of scissors and cut out a great deal of the Bible, including a great deal of what Jesus has to say elsewhere. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you think about it in sort of a weird philosophical way, if these words, if do not judge means don't judge, then, then, then we have to take do not judge out of the Bible because that's a correction. If we never can correct, then we've got ourselves and we're chasing our tail here. So what, what it does mean, though, is this. This is the context. These are the words, the idea. What it does mean ranges from do not be disposed to criticism all the way to do not dispense condemnation. Do not weaponize your call to righteousness by making it criticism or condemnation. For example, I am not a physician. I do not play one on TV. That was from the 80s, and it was a good one. Uh, otherwise, like, why did he say that? I don't understand. Um, uh, we spent a little bit of time with quite a few physicians in Ghana. There was a whole bunch of them, them surrounding us. Uh, if, you're a, if I'm a physician and you come to me, I, 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 my, my job is to identify whether or not you have a health problem. And that, that, that is motivated out of, of a concern for your health. So I, I, I look at, I evaluate your symptoms. Are you symptomatic? We, we evaluate your symptoms. We consider the causes of those symptoms. And then we make some sort of a prescription for, to, to, to modify whatever it is now. We want to modify that. Maybe you should stop doing this, start doing this. Maybe you should, this is, you, th these are some changes that must take place in your life because you have a health concern. Right? 
My job as a physician would not be to say, you come to me with symptoms. My, my job as a physician, it would, should not be to say this. Oh, why are you so lazy and stupid? I mean, why, that's not, why would I, I would, my job is to not say, you know what, you are, you are just lazy and stupid and you should be euthanized. Regardless of where some medical practice might be headed, in, uh, uh, but right, meaning as a physician, your job is to correct with the goal of healing. Your job is not to dole out death. <laughs> in the same way, disciples of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, you are a practitioner and a promoter of righteousness. It is our job, lean in here with me now, it is, it is our job to warn people of God's judgment. But it is not our job to issue our own. You must not assume the place of God. This is where we, would, we should incorporate or we should look to John chapter 8. And that it's a it's a it's just as clumsily uh, uh, interpreted. Hey, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Somehow means if uh, let him who is without sin have anything to say about anything that's ever been wrong ever. Meaning, if you only if you've never ever done anything wrong, do you have anything to say about doing anything wrong? No, Jesus actually means this. Let him who is without sin pick up a rock and kill someone else for their sin. That's what he means. Don't interpret that with like massive hyperbole or oh, allegorically he just means never say anything wrong. No, he means that there is only one who is righteous who has the authority to issue final judgment. So it is not our job, therefore, to pick up rocks and throw them. But it absolutely is our job to say, you know what, go and sin no more. That absolutely is our job. I'm going to talk to the birthday girl because she shot me down good. But you must not assume the place of God. You should not, you do not enter into judgment in order to cause harm and condemnation and to wound people. Uh, uh, the thing about weaponized righteousness is that weaponized righteousness is a sword and not a scale. A scale has equal measures. A scale says, you and I, Aaron, you and I are going to be judged by God. And, it, and we're going to be judged fairly just by God's justice. We are going to face the same judgment seat. That's a scale. And so I, therefore, brother, listen, I got to warn you. You got you to, I don't know, I don't want to say anything wrong here. But, you know, stop, you got to stop being an axe murderer. Because, <laughs> right? That would... I, you know, don't judge me. No, I'm going to tell you stop that because not or else not. Well, I might do something about it, but because you and I are going to face judgment, Aaron. That's a scale. I can I can implore brothers and sisters or anybody. I can implore people to change their behavior, knowing that you and I we are all going to face God. 
That's a scale. A sword is, has only a blade on one end. Weaponized righteousness is a sword. It's a one-way blade. It has one goal, to harm. Weaponized, and in weaponized righteousness, the standard is not necessarily God. The standard is me and my preferences and the fact that you've offended me. Friends, God will judge. We will all face judgment. This should really keep all of us, keep us having a view, a mutual need of mercy. We all all need to see that we have a mutual need of mercy. Mercy, remember, doesn't marginalize sin. Mercy doesn't say sin is okay, we're going to marginalize it. But neither does mercy distribute vengeance. Our job is to keep God's judgment in view even as we urge others toward righteousness. This is really important because we have this passage that our culture has hijacked. And you need to see what this is saying is our job is to keep God's judgment in view even as we urge others toward righteousness. The Apostle Paul, we don't have time for it today. It would be seriously tangential if we just walk through all of Pauline literature. But as Paul writes in his, both in the book of Acts as it records Paul's preaching and teaching and then his, in his own writing, Paul consistently warns and he persuades others to consider the fact that there is a judgment. Even as he's in prison, Luke tells us that he's in prison and he's talking to his jailers about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. He's not dispensing judgment, but he's warning everyone there will be one. Jesus says, don't, don't judge or you too, you too will be judged. Verse 2, we're only on verse 2, but we're, it's okay. Uh, For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the warning continues here. You will be judged with the same measure that you're judging others. If, we, if we're keeping our theological logic in mind here, I mean... that. Then the truth is, I'm prepared to be judged by God. And I want you to know that you will be as well. That's equal measure. But if I make myself the judge, and I begin to evaluate other people according to my, my standards, Jesus is saying, hey, do you wish to be criticized with the same mouth that you are using against others? Because you will be. You know, most people would be shocked and offended if the same measure they used, it was used on them. Well, I never. Well, you did, and that's why. Yeah. But more importantly, it appears that Jesus is warning that God will reach for the same measure you've used when you have weaponized righteousness. The paragraph in verses 3 through 5 really brings the most clarity. This is the point. Don't read, don't read verse 1 and stop there and cross your arms. Read it all the way through. Here's, what, here's, he, he, here's the point here. Let me read it again just so you hear it. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your uh, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite. (laughs) Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Jesus uses a really a hyperbolic analogy, an exaggeration. I mean, can you imagine there's actually a plank coming out of your eye, right? But the idea is this. If you, would, if you have this big log coming out of your eye, and you're like, well, here, let me help you with that plank in yours. That's absolutely ridiculous. And he's pointing out the foolishness of using differing measures. It also points out that most people engage in criticism as a way of projecting their own problems or covering them up. Disciples of Jesus focus first on following Jesus. Disciples of Jesus follow Jesus. We should all say that out loud. You probably have a click or two on the old PowerPoint there. Let's, what's, there we go. There, there, there. Hypocrisy is absurd. That's a good one. Everyone say that out loud. Hypocrisy. That's the idea. You say that's an absurd illustration, Jesus. Planks and specks. Exactly. Because it's absurd to be a hypocrite. Don't do that. We follow Jesus. That's our focus. And here's the thing. Let me say this carefully. Only from following Jesus closely. Do we gain the clarity and the perspective and the humility, the reverence, and the proper motivation to be a voice for righteousness? When I'm, only when I'm following him closely can I, does it enable me, does it empower me to be a voice for righteousness? If I'm not, then I'm a a voice of my own preferences or my own judgments or my own criticisms or my own vengeance. When I'm following Jesus closely, I recognize that I need mercy and you need mercy. And yet, I I won't excuse my own failings, nor will I excuse yours. I'm going to urge both of us to follow Jesus. Now, verse 6, when you pick up verse 6, it in some study Bibles or, or uh, commentaries, you, it, some people separate this out as a separate saying. But if you spend enough time and just let the text sort of rub on your soul for a while, you can see where he's going with this. So it's kind of a P.S. But So I've, the, the title of the message is Don't Weaponize Righteousness. But I would say this, Don't Waste Righteousness. And it's the same... The same flow here, but don't waste righteousness. Jesus says, don't give to dogs what is sacred, and don't throw your pearls to pigs. Now, usually when people read that, I think, as far as my my history, we read that, and it's easy to kind of go, I don't know, it's it's almost tempting at first to, to think, yeah, dogs are bad. Yeah, pigs. Don't give them stuff. Is that really the rhythm of what Jesus is saying? No, listen to it again. Don't give dogs what is sacred. 
and don't put pearls, don't give your pearls to pigs. Who would do that? Who would do, this is not about the dog, this is about the doer. Jesus is saying, hey dummy, don't do that. Wait, he didn't say dummy, but he implied it. But he wouldn't have said dummy because, you know, don't judge. Verse 6 tells us more about the doer than the dog or the pig. The criticism here is not directed at dogs and pigs. The criticism is at the one being careless with what is sacred and valuable. This really, I believe, still is about weaponizing righteousness. What do you mean, Dav? If you are careless with righteousness, if you are careless in, 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 in what you are saying, even if in this, in, from verse 1, uh, you're, 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 you're casting out you know, a statement about right and wrong or righteousness, and, you're do, and you know, you know that, that how you're doing it, you know that this person, it's not in the right time, it's not in the right way. You aren't, you, aren't, you aren't warning people of God's judgment. You aren't acting as a disciple of Jesus. You aren't promoting righteousness. You're antagonizing people. You're mocking people. And you're wasting righteousness. I believe that verse 6 might be interpreted this way. Don't cheapen the message of righteousness by throwing it carelessly at those who will just trample it or turn on you. Now, that's not a disparaging comment against people. That's Jesus saying, hey, don't weaponize righteousness. Don't use it to pick fights. Don't use it to pick fights. This is not your message or your righteousness. You are stewards of something sacred and valuable. Treated as such. So how do we respond to this? We don't weaponize righteousness and we don't waste it. We do have a responsibility. We must practice righteousness. We must promote righteousness. And we must do so as those who are imitating and obeying Jesus. But we must do so with the hope and with the goal and in such a way that others will follow him also. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You follow me, and what will happen if you follow me closely, the impact you'll have on those around you is that they'll follow me too. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. Let's stand together as we close. Keep the truth of this passage in tension.
disciple of Jesus, you have a calling and a responsibility to practice righteousness and to promote it. You, out of, a compa- out of compassion and hope, should be a voice of reason and righteousness in your world. You have an obligation to speak up for truth and for righteousness. You have a responsibility to take a stand against darkness and evil. But don't weaponize righteousness. Live with an awareness that all of us are going to have to stand before God and compassionately, urgently help other people to see that truth as well. But don't dispense criticism. Don't have a disposition just to criticize and don't dispense condemnation. Call people to follow Jesus. Would you sing that song? Righteousness, righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me. Hey, friend, my friend, my brother, my sister, we've gathered here this morning, and I, I don't know, um, seems like it's quite possible that there's some folks here who, who might have been trying to take shelter under the idea that Jesus said, nobody's supposed to tell me I can't do something. Jesus said, nobody's supposed to tell me. Nobody's supposed to create any boundaries for my behavior. Friend, that's a delusion and a lie. The truth is, the God who loves you, you will also have to stand before him and and give an account of your life. And if right now your behavior is displeasing him and harming others, this is a good day for you to repent you as a fellow follower of Jesus Christ to repent to repent from behavior that is displeasing to God that is harmful to other people and follow Jesus receive his mercy his forgiveness make things right repent and follow Jesus sing it again righteousness 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 is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me. Let's give our whole life.
brought into vital contact with your empowering presence. That you would anoint us and fill us. That you would empower us today to follow Jesus closely. So we would imitate him and, and, and obey him. So that our lives can be an example. Lord, that we can both practice and promote the righteousness of our Lord Jesus. And Lord, according to the scripture, we just pray again. Lord, let righteousness prevail in our homes righteousness prevail in our cities, in our region, in our nation. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Would you say amen? Amen. All right. Be kind to one another on your way out today. Say something encouraging to somebody else.